Okay, so let's pray. Father God, Lord, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for um, just your church, God. It's a, it's an exciting day. It's beautiful outside, Lord, and uh, we're all fired up um, uh, about something that is temporal, God. And uh, Lord, we all love football. We all love our team, Lord, but uh, we love our church more. And God, I do thank you for uh, just allowing us to come and worship together. Uh, Lord, I do thank you for the Passpoint class and uh, this, this Roman study that you've kind of uh, laid on uh, my heart and that, that it's already uh, kind of transferred into the lives of uh, the people here, Lord. And uh, it's really bringing unity uh, in a way that I didn't even uh, see coming, Lord. It's bringing people into more uh, in-depth Bible study. So I pray that you just continue to uh, just protect that. Uh, it's the, the adversary wants to come in and uh, just uh, put things in our life that make us too busy. Uh, but God, I know that you're doing some things, and uh, so I pray that you would just uh, just be God, that you would uh, do what only you can do. Lord, I pray you speak to us today uh, out of your word, uh, that you would just get the honor and the glory for it. Lord, we do pray for uh, Franny and the things that she's got coming up with and the tests, and uh, God, that you would just uh, present your will uh, very clearly. Pray for Randy and Julie as they are continuing to to, to battle the the brain cancer, God, and that you would just continue to present yourself uh, uh, as only you can through that situation. And there's so many things going on in uh, in different people's lives. Lord, pray for the the gentleman that Chris and Lauren ran into. It's not by coincidence that you bring people like this into our life, and it's not by coincidence that you have uh, them studying the Book of Romans at such a time as this uh, to have those things on the tip of their tongues. And uh, God, we do. We pray these things uh, every week as we leave. That, that you would allow us to be lights in a dark world. So I pray that you really would allow us to be uh, the hands and feet of you as we do these things. So I pray you speak to us today. Lord, put me out of the way uh, that you would get the, uh, the the glory for it. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so let's get rocking and rolling. And we're in the book of Romans. You guys know that. Um, we're starting chapter 2 today. So we're already through uh, one chapter of Romans, and we're, we're moving right on through it. And so... Uh, before I get too much into the teaching per se today, because uh, I really struggled with with this. Uh, I mean, I know what it's saying, but like a way to really like thrust it in application. So, so before we get into that, um, anybody got anything from their uh, tasks from last week? So I've heard. Um, now you may have something. I know, like uh, Meredith has like a notebook full of stuff that she wants to share at some point. It doesn't have to be today. Um, but I've had different people uh, that are like really about what's going on, and they've had stuff like pop out at them that they didn't see before. When you guys wrote out uh, chapter one, um, I had I so. Here's one thing in particular, right? Because something somebody came and asked me, um, and so let me just say this. I've had multiple people come and be like, hey, what, is, what does this mean? Like, why didn't you ask in class? Why didn't you want everybody to know? Well, I've had like five people do that. So maybe like we really should have group conversation because everybody wants to know. But anyway, here's one that came up. And so I want uh, to maybe show you something. So, uh, and she's not even in here today, uh, but I'm sure she'll, she'll listen to it. So in, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, right, we said that this was kind of the second part of this, the key verse of Romans chapter 1. It says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We read that over and over again. We talk about it. Um, but she's like, when I was writing this out, I never noticed it until I was writing it out. Um, why is the capitalized? Right? So why is the capitalized? It's not a, it's not a name. Right? It's talking about the just. It's not talking about God. It's not a name of God in that 
in that sense. So why is that capitalized? And so things like that pop out. Um, and so uh, does anybody have a just an off the wall? Why would that be? Like as you're reading, if you're doing your Bible study, why is it like that? Quote, I like the Old Testament, like the just, like a group of people. It, it's not. They could be though, but it, pages right on. Um, it, it is. It is a reference from an Old Testament. It is a reference of Habakkuk two four, and that is why it's like that. And so, but things like that, Habakkuk. I just made up a book, right? And so, <laughs> no. Uh, she's like, what? She's like, I'd like to. But no, that that says why. So that is one example of you know when you actually you read it and you read it and you read it and it's no big deal. But until you actually see it, until you it's like, whoa, wait a minute, why is it like that? So those are the reasons that I'm like, hey, why don't you write it out? Hey, why don't these are the things that I'm trying to provoke in your your Bible study? Things that you wouldn't normally see, not because you're not smart enough, but because of the way our brains are wired to look over things like that. Until you, um, Paige pointed out another one. Do you want to? Do you want to say what it was? Um, so I was reading through chapter two um, this week, and I was trying to get like a little bit ahead of the game. Um, so yes, I'm handwriting when we have to handwrite, but he hasn't explained that yet. So I'm also typing it out um, just just for me. I see things better for clarity. So as I'm typing it, I'm going through chapter two, and Candace and I talked about this. So when I got to verse five. And I've read this over and over and over. I could not even give you a number of times I've read this chapter or this book in my life. And she I even had it. me read it this morning, and yeah, I read it wrong. I had, I had him read it out loud because I assumed he would read it the way I had always read it. And so I have always read it, but after the after thy hardness and impotent heart, treacherous stuff unto thyself, wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. But that's not what it says. It says impenitent heart. An impenitent heart is different than an impotent heart. An impenitent heart is a heart without repentance. And just little things, little things like that, if you don't take the time to slow down, to actually study, to meditate on the individual words, to open your eyes, you don't see those little things. And it cha- it, it really changes everything you know, about that verse and whatnot. Right. So those are the things. That's why you're like, why have we read this chapter 72 times? Right? Come on. That's why. Because it's like on the 73rd time, it's just like, well, wait a minute. Where'd that come from? That's why. Right? And so, you know, anybody else got anything? That's just the guy's like, that's really cool. I didn't see that before. Nothing? Okay. It's all good. You're so by, by not speaking, you are to get. You are choosing to be edified. Don't be mean to her. I know. Don't be mean to her. I know. 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 Here's kind of a title if you need a title or a list if you need a list. But uh, five reasons why God is not a respecter of people. Uh, and there's honestly, there's about a million reasons. But uh, these are five that I got just right out of the text uh, for today. But anyway, so Romans chapter 1, obviously you had the introduction. We kind of blew through that. And then he spent the rest of Romans chapter 1 uh, doing what? Just basically uh, condemning uh, the world. Um, but notice, uh, it, once you get into chapter 2, you're going to realize that 
Really what he was doing was he was talking to a specific group of people in Romans chapter 1. He was talking to uh, the Gentile world, right? And so in chapter 2, uh, he's going to address two other groups of people. And so by the time we get done with chapter 2, he's going to, uh, and you'll actually see it in, in uh, chapter 3, uh, just fl- look where you're really quick, because by the time he gets done with chapter 2, here is uh, here's what he has uh, worked out. Let me find it here. I know what I'm looking for. I just can't. He says, uh, I can't find the verse, but he says basically, uh, I don't want to find it now, sorry. This is really like dead silence in here. <laughs> Anyway, I can't find it. I'm, I'm just rolling through it. But <clears throat> basically, by the end of chapter two, he has uh, he has everybody uh, condemned, right? And that is exactly what Paul was trying to do. And you might be like, well, that's not a very nice letter. Uh, he's he's proving a point, right? He came through, and uh, we're going to see the second group of people in chapter two. And basically, he's going to have the entire world uh, condemned to see that you know what? There are no good people. There are no righteous people. There are no you know, he says, there is no good, no, not one, right? And so there's nobody that's good. And so we, we saw that in chapter 1. He went through this list of like 22 things. It's like not good things, right? But that was to the Gentile world. In chapter 2, what we're going to look at today, these would be kind of... Uh, we're still talking to uh, Gentile people, so they're not Jewish, but they're religious Gentile people. So you know what? We'll call these the uh, the white collar sinners, right? And so that's the group that we're going to uh, <laughs> that's the group that we're gonna Paul's going to address today, right? So these are the good sinners. <laughs> these are these are the the quote unquote uh, my sins better than your sin kind of people. And so Paul's like, yeah, I knew you were gonna say that, so I got something to say to you. And so that's who we're gonna look at today. So remember, chapter one, these were like heathen people. You know, we talked last week; they were doing some things that. You just ought not do. Well, guess what? At the end of the day, your righteous sin is no better than their unrighteous sin. And that's what Paul's like. I want to address that. And so next week we'll get into uh, the Jewish side of things. Because you know what? At the end of the day, they're they're guilty as well. But So today we're going to look at this... Uh, well, well, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, going to, we're going to look at the, uh, the, the white-collar center today. And so let's just jump into this. Five reasons why God's not a respecter of people. Romans chapter 2, let's just start at verse 1. He says, therefore... I love the way he starts this chapter, right? There's no, uh, there's no gray area what he's talking about here. He says, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man... <laughs> whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein uh, thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest do the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, how thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest the rich, uh, thou the riches of his goodness in forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So I'm going to stop right there. A lot of big words, right? A lot of Paul type of words. And you're like, that sounded really smart, but I have no idea what he just said. You ever read some of what Paul has written and been like, man, there's something really good there. I just don't know what it is, right? There's, I'm like, I can read that over and over again. And I'm like, one day I will unlock the truth of what he's saying. But right now, it is like Chinese words, right? And it just, I just don't, I don't speak Chinese, right? And so here's your first reason that God's not a respecter of people in verse 1 and 2. 
We want to judge, but we don't want to be judged. Right? We want to judge, but we don't want to be judged. Well, guess what? God doesn't respect that. God doesn't respect that. These guys, you know, they're the, uh, they're the people... Um, now, I'm not comparing us, right? Because obviously Paul wasn't writing to uh, the church at this point. Uh, but he's talking about the religious people of that time, you know, because we don't do this. Right? So I'm not talking to you because I know that we don't ever have the thought that, well, I'm better than the world. Um, so I'm not talking to you because I, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to step on anybody's toes, right? But Paul's talking to people that are a lot maybe like you, right? Uh, maybe a lot like you. Because I know that, uh, obviously, y'all aren't the Gentile world. You're not just heathens. And I know you're not Jews, who we're going to talk about next week. So everybody has to fit into one group. So, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, you've got to fall into a group. And if you fell into a group, it'd probably be this one. So Paul says right up front, Thou for thou art excusable, inexcusable. Wait a minute. I go to church. Now, wait a minute. I, I tithe. Uh, I serve in the ministry. Uh, I, I read my Bible, right? I, I've been doing your stupid homework, Jason. Uh, <laughs> but, right, task, you're right. What are you talking about? Well, here's what Paul says. Thou art, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. We want to say... Man, those people in chapter one, I can't believe they're doing that, right? We don't, we don't associate with that. We don't associate with those things. We don't do things like that. Well, guess what? The things that we do aren't any better. They never have been, and they never will be. We like to, we like to uh, mask our iniquity. We'll call it that. Um, in uh, in church clothes, right? We like to mask our uh, our shortcomings in. Well, at least I've got God. Well, you're right, you do. Praise God that you do. That doesn't give you a license to live in it, right? And too often, and Paul's going to address that coming up, but that's the first thing that comes up. He says, you do the same things, verse 2, but we are sure, Paul's like, hey, don't forget this point, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Paul's saying, hey, you're judging them, and hey, you might be right about judging them because you know what they're doing? It's pretty wicked, but guess what? The things that you're doing, the judgment of God is still just as just. And I did say that, right? It's it's just as just as it was in chapter 1. You know, we were talking about, yeah, the wrath of God has to be just. If you've got God's holiness on one side, you have to have God's wrath on the other side. It's the only way that it's just, right? Well, guess what? It is just as just to be like that for your white-collar sin as it is for... uh, their wicked sin, right? Just because they completely just say, I don't care about God, doesn't mean that your uh, hidden sin is any better, right? Uh, you coming to church every week doesn't do anything for you as far as, uh, obviously, yes, your sin is, is, is covered with the blood of Christ. Does that mean that we can just continue in sin? That grace may abound? God says, Paul, or Paul says, God forbid, right? <coughs> We want to judge, but we don't want to be judged, right? We want to say, hey, look at those people. They are wicked, right? There's guys sleeping with guys. There's girls sleeping with girls, right? Adultery, fornication, the whole list of all these different things, right? And we want to judge, but when it comes time to, well, what about your sin, Christian? What about your sin, righteous person? We're like, well, wait a minute. It's not as bad, is it? Paul addresses that right up front, 
right? And you don't get very far into chapter 2 before you're like, no, wait a minute. I was right on board with you, Paul, right? We were throwing stones. And then he's like, wait a minute. Well, let's look at you for a second, right? And so then the Jews, by the time we get through uh, verse 16, the Jews are going to be like, yeah, that's why we're Jewish. And then he's going to be like, I've got something to say to you too, right? But that's the first thing. We want to judge, but we want to be judged. i got more to say, but I want to keep moving. I want to get through this. So in verse 3, he picks up and he says, And thinkest thou this, O man? Because he's like, I already know what you're thinking, right? He says, I know, I know what you're thinking because I've been there, right? I know you because I am you, is what Paul's saying. I was the righteous sinner. I still am the righteous sinner. Paul's like, I get what you're saying here, right? I'm, I'm, I'm walking down the same road that you're walking down. He says, And thinkest thou this, O man? That judgest them which do such things? He's like, yeah, I know. I've done it too, right? Yeah, you see them? Man, they really need to take care of that, right? Have you heard what so-and-so is doing? Yeah, we should pray for them. That's gossip, just in case you were wondering. Uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, he says, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things? And doest the same. He's like, oh, yeah, you do the same thing. And doest the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? He's like, do you honestly think that your good sin is going to allow you to escape the judgment of God because it's not as bad as their bad sin. Do you honestly think that? Because, let me tell you something, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. There are a lot of churches in this town, in this country, that teach that. That as long as we're not doing the wicked stuff, that we're not, God's going to cover it. Well, God's covering all your sin, past, present, and future with the blood of Christ. That doesn't give you license to go continue to do it. That's what he's saying. Man, if, if you honestly think that because you're, you're not so bad, sin isn't as bad as theirs, that you're going to escape the judgment of God, it's not going to happen. He goes on to say in verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness? And forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Yes, I said the R word. It leads you to repentance, right? Here's your second reason why God's not a respecter of people. We consider God's mercy as a right or a privilege. We consider God's mercy on our life like a right. You know, that, that is something we just deserve it, right? But Paul's like, hang on a minute. He says in verse 4, Despisest thou the riches of His goodness? He's like... I don't think you understand. We talked about this. I used this uh, analogy last week or the week before, right? God's wrath is like a lake, right? And I mean, it, it is this massive lake. What contains a lake? Well, at some point there is a dam, right? Something that if it ever gets too full, you got to open it up a little bit and let a little bit out so you don't have a catastrophe, right? God's, God's wrath is a lake and, and it is hidden behind this dam. And basically what he's saying is, are you despising the goodness of his forbearance and long-suffering, the fact that he is holding it back. You think that, oh, because you go to church? You think because you serve in the ministry? You think because, you know, whatever. I'm not even going to go down the list. You think because you're good that you deserve this? You think that uh, the only thing that you deserve is to be swimming in the lake. But he's holding it back. He is holding it back. And, then, and, and, and instead, we, the righteous sinner, right? And I'm throwing myself in this boat because if i got to fit in one of the three groups, this is the group I fall in, right? Because I, I'm not in the world anymore. That's chapter one, right? And I'm not a Jew, and I don't plan on being a Jew, right? I'm not going to be a... Pro- so this is the group I fall in, right? And we, we, we like to think that, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I was born in America, 
right? Uh, and I root for the Chiefs, so yeah, God's on my side. And I deserve this. No, you know what you deserve? You deserve God's wrath. And the only thing that keeps you from having God's wrath is the blood of Christ. And you're like, yeah, okay, I got the blood of Christ. You know? Good, you know, okay, awesome. Well, let's live it then. But too often, we're like, yeah, but I, you know, those wicked people. And you, you basically, you consider God's mercy as a right. It's you think you deserve it. You don't deserve it. The only thing that you deserve is hell. So the fact is, you get saved, right? Because I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir here. You get saved. So then what? Obviously, you can't lose your salvation. So I'm not saying that you're going to be swimming in the lake of God's wrath. That's not what I'm, I'm saying. That's what you deserve. Um, so what? So what do we need to be doing? We need to be like so committed to doing whatever God wants us to do. Fast forward to Romans chapter 12, right? We need to be giving our body the living sacrifice. That's what it's all about, right? We got you basically got to live it out. He's like, hey. Uh, Despisest thou the riches of His goodness? What are the riches of His goodness? His Word. His blessings on your life. Everything about it, right? Or the forbear- or f- And forbearance of Moxon... Wow, that was Chinese, I think. And uh, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. He's saying, hey, do you not realize that all the good that He has ever given in your life was for a purpose? It was to draw you to Him. So if you're going to start living it like it's a right that you have, right? I'm a Christian. I'm an American, right? Uh, God owes me. God doesn't owe you nothing, man. You owe your life to Him. And that's what He's saying. We, we consider God's mercy as a right. And God doesn't respect that, right? God is willing is, 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 that none should perish, right? He's, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Well, guess what? What leads you to repentance? the goodness of God on your life. Instead, you're like, well, uh, I deserve that. Right? It's not leading or it's leading not forcing. So he's not forcing. Hmm. It's almost like he gives you free will. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's a coincidence, I think. Right. It, it leads you to repentance. It doesn't force you to repentance. Right? We're not Calvinistic, right? Yeah, it leads you there. Are you going to take it or not? What is, the old, what is the old saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right? That's why horses aren't very smart. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's called drowning. <laughs> we consider God's mercy as a right or privilege, right? And I'm not saying that that's you guys, but I'm saying that that's us. Right? I'm not talking to you individually, but I'm talking to us corporately. So if you want to throw yourself in there, that's up to you. But at the end of the day, that's what we do. I'm not as bad as this guy because I've got God on my side. And well, because God should be on my side, right? I'm pretty cool. That's what we think. You know, and without really saying it, that's what we think. Right? Well, yeah, God's going to be on my side. No, you're going to be on His side if you're smart. So that's what we do. Moving on. Verse 5. He starts this really long sentence in verse 5, and I'm only going to get through half of it. It's really cool. This is another thing you notice when you're writing these things out, how long some of these sentences are, right? And like these thoughts, they just keep going. So let me just read the whole thing and I'll backtrack. It says, But after the hardness 
How do you say that word? Impenitent. Impenitent heart. It doesn't say impotent. Uh, impenitent. Unrepentant, right? But after the hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. The sentence continues on to say, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. It still goes on to say, but a glory, honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. Hence where the title came from. Right? That's all one sentence. And it's like, wow, what did he just say? Again, that was really good, Paul. What's it mean? Right? I think that was really, really good wisdom. What was it? Right? Well, let's try to break it down a little bit. Here's your next thing. The next reason God's not a respecter of people. Verse 5 to 7. We think our religion is going to save us. We think our religion is going to save us. What do I mean by that? Let me read this again in verse 5. So he basically says, hey, uh, you're just as bad, good sinner. Like, that's not even really a... That's kind of an oxymoron, but uh, you're, you're just as bad. And here's why you're just as bad. So we just talked about it, right? And so here's, here's the next thing I've got to say. But after the hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. He says, your heart's hard, dude. Yeah, you got Christ. Awesome. What's that doing for the rest of the world? You got a hard heart. That's what he's saying. You got an unrepentant heart. He says, "What are you treasuring up?" Right? Is it gold, silver, and precious stones? No, that's not what you're doing. He says that you're uh, treasuring up to thyself wrath. All these uh, quote-unquote good things that you're doing that are for you. That's just you, you, you're adding to the wrong bank account, right? You're adding to the that's wrath. Those are all things that are going to burn, right? There's three things that the Bible says are going to burn. What are they? Wood, hay, and stubble, right? Anything that's going to burn. There's only three things that are pure. Gold, silver, and precious stones, right? The souls of men. That's what we're talking about. Those are the things. Yeah, you're saved, right? Awesome. Praise God. Who have you told about it? Right? Are you teaching your kids? Are you living it? Right? Do, do, do your coworkers see something different in you? I don't... Is, is there something going on? Right? Are you bold enough to open your mouth to the person at the airport? I don't know. Are you? I'm just saying. Right? What good does it do for you to have the, the, the most precious thing that God has ever given to the world and you're like, yeah, but I'm just scared to talk to people so I'm going to keep it to myself. Okay, well, um, good for you. But you know what you're doing? It says right here. It says that you are... I'm going to find it. You are treasuring up until thyself wrath against the day of wrath. Right? You're just adding to the bank account of things that when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, God's going to be like, that's no good. That's no good. That's no good. Right? Oh, oh, wait a minute. Okay, we're at the end of it. We ain't got nothing good here. Right? Does that mean you don't get into heaven? Nope. You guys know that. I'm not going back through and teaching that, right? If you're saved, but you're at the judgment seat of Christ. I'd rather be at the judgment seat of Christ with nothing good than at the great white throne judgment with a whole lot of good. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you're still at the right place. But man, come on. Have something to give to God. I want to be able to throw stuff at His feet. Right? You're only going to get those crowns by doing those things. That's what you're doing. He says, after the hardness 
an impenitent heart. Because your heart's hard and because you, you, you're set in your ways and you just don't want to, right? This is what you're, you're building up for yourself. Wrath against the day of wrath. Against the righteous judgment of God. He goes on to say, who will render to every man according to his deeds. He's like, hey, uh, that wrath that you're building up, God's, God's going to repay you, right? Uh, for every... Um, was it in here or in D2? Somewhere I was, uh, I was teaching for every... Action. There's an op- equal and opposite reaction, right? For everything that you do, uh, there's a consequence, right? We know that. Some of us know that more than others, right? If you do something good, sometimes the consequence is uh, edification, right? It is a prize. It is something like that. Who knows? But sometimes it's not so good, right? You just don't ever know. And that's what he says. He's going to re- render to every man according to his deeds. You're going to get what you deserve. Right? And so when you think that you've done all these good things, man, I changed diapers in the nursery forever. Yeah, well, you had a bad heart when you did it. And that's going to burn. So you're going to get there and be like, man, all that stuff I did was for nothing? Yeah, because you had a hard heart. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, I know you think you're good, but how good are you? And that's what he's he's trying to reconcile people back to the point where he's going to get to chapter 3. Right? He spends the first two chapters breaking everybody down so that he can have something to work with. Right? He goes on to say in verse 7, "...to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life." We think our religion is going to save us. We think, oh, i got a hard heart, but if I just keep serving, if I just keep doing, I just keep adding to the account, right? God's going to respect that. No, He doesn't. And God's going to respect the guy who is just basically... Here am I, send me. Right? Whatever it is. Then the guy who is like recording everything that he's doing, and he's like, I'm going to, you know, this is my ledger, and I'm going to show God he owes me, right? They think that they're good works, that they're religion. That's what he says in verse 7. By patient continuance and well doing. Man, you're doing a good job. But who are you doing it for? That's what he's saying. We've got to be serving Christ. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, I get it. You guys are good people. But what are you good people for? It's got to be for Christ. Everything you do has to boil down to that. It has to be for His glory. They're seeking immortality and eternal life, right? We think our religion is going to save us. And I say religion just because that's what our good works are. right? We, we lump our good works. Well, yeah, I serve at the church, right? I go to the mission, right? I, 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 whatever it is that we do, we, we do it because we love God, right? Okay, well, it's because you're religious. Right? And I'm not, I'm not throwing everybody in that boat, right? A lot of us do things because we love God. I'm not calling anybody out in general because that's what we're supposed to do, right? No, you're doing it because that's what God told you to do, right? Because you want to do it. Obedience with a bad heart isn't obedience. Just because you went through the motions doesn't make it obedience, right? Moving on. I don't even think I'm going to get to the good part. We'll see. Well, I, I really like uh, the last part of this. But anyway, verse 8. He, so I'm going to read the rest of this really long run-on sentence. I mean, somebody should have taught Paul some English grammar here, but except for he wasn't writing in English, so I'll give him a pass. But anyway, verse 8. No, verse yeah, verse 8. But unto them that are contentious... And do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, 
of the Jew first and also the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also the Gentile. For there is no respect to God to person. So he's like, okay, so maybe you're the religious person who doesn't always do quote-unquote good. But you're still religious, right? And so I'm still going to, you know, i, I got, I got to bless you for that. You know, that's what we think. He's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to also show you something here. Here's your fourth thing. We take pride in our name rather than our position. God doesn't respect that. We take pride in our name rather than our position. We think that, well, I'm a Christian, right? So everything I do has got to be for God, right? Uh, right? I'm a, I'm a Christian. Well, here's what I mean by that. When I say we take pride in our name rather than our position, it's awesome that you're a Christian, right? In the book of Acts, says they were called Christians first in Antioch. You know, it means little Christ. It's awesome that that's what you are. You're a Christian. Yeah, praise God. That's your name. You know what your position is? You're a son of God. That's what you need to take pride in. It's awesome to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. You should take so much more pride in the fact that you are a son of God. Well, it doesn't mean the same thing. It does, but what are you taking pride in? It means the exact same thing. But are you so hung up on the fact that, yeah, that's what I am, I'm a Christian. Now, you're a son of God. Now live it. Now now live it out. Because that's what it's about. Kind of rhyme, doesn't even mean to, right? <laughs> we, we take pride in our name rather than our position. So let's read through that. It says, But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, well, obviously not good for you, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. That's what I'm getting at. He's like, hey, all these... You know, if, if you're not living for God and you're claiming the Christian name, well, guess what? This wrath is coming to the Jew first and also the Gentile. It says the same thing in the next verse. But if you are doing good and you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing, well, guess what? It's still coming to the Jew first and also the Gentile. Now, obviously, we're not Jews. We're going to talk about that next week. But these people, they're claiming, well, I'm a Jew, right? No, they, these guys aren't Jews. And he's like, hey, guess what? For as bad as you are, God's going to take care of the bad Jews first. But for as good as you are, God's going to take care of the good Jews first because they're God's chosen people. And the whole point is, they take pride in the fact that they're Jewish, right? But guess what? You should take pride in the fact that you're a Christian. You should take more pride in the fact that you're a son of God. Your position is so much more important than your name. Right? My position as Paige's husband is so much more important than my name, right? Yeah, I'm husband. But the position means so much more. Because what comes with the position? Right? I'm a protector. I'm a provider. Right? Uh, Hopefully I'm a friend at times. Hopefully I'm a listener. Hopefully all these things, right? There's so much more things, so many more things that come with the position more than just the name. No different than with a Christian. Okay, awesome. You're a Christian. Little Christ. Okay, well, what comes with the position of that? I'm a follower. Right? I'm a teacher. I'm a leader. Right? I'm submissive and I'm obedient. All these different things. Take more pride in your position as a son of God, as a daughter of the king, as a son of the king, than you do in the fact that, yeah, I go to church. Right? Because that's what we do. We get so hung up on, yeah, I do this, that, you know what I'm saying? You picking up what I'm throwing down? That's what we do. And that's what he's getting at here. Alright, verse 12 to 16. I'm going to go through this very quickly and I'm probably going to revisit it next week because this is, I think this is good. This is like, 
this is really good when it comes to like Paul tongue twister, uh, but there's a lot in it. So here's what it says. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are, uh, are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. <laughs> he says the word law like 12 times <laughs> in three verses. And it's like, there's something good there. I just ain't figured it out yet. Verse 15, which show their works of the law written in their hearts and conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts in the meanwhile uh, accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God uh, shall judge uh, the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So here's what he's saying. Because here's what he's saying without getting too much into it because I've only got four minutes. We're all guilty. It doesn't matter if you've heard it or if you haven't heard it. This goes back to the discussion we had last week. What about the guy who's never actually heard the gospel? This is what he's saying. You're just as guilty. Right? You're just as guilty. And so, in four minutes or less, here's what this means. He says... In verse 12. Here's your last thing if you want to write it down. We follow the standard more than the standard setter. We follow the standard, right? The law. The law is a standard, right? We follow the standard more than the standard setter. The person who sets the standard. Okay. Verse 12, he says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. Okay, so what he's saying is the law was given to who? The Jews, right? Okay, so if you were given, if you sinned without the law, you didn't know any better, right? I didn't know that I couldn't do that, right? So I must be free then, right? And that's what he says. As many as have sinned without the law, we'll just change the law to standard every time because it makes it a little easier to understand. Not that your King James Bible isn't perfect because it is, but another word for law is standard, okay? So for as many as have sinned without the standard, they shall also perish without the standard. You're going to die just like everybody else. Guess what? That's what he's saying. He goes on to say, And as many as have sinned in the standard, they knew what they ought not do and they still sinned, they're going to be judged by that standard. Right? So how does that work? Obviously, if I knew I shouldn't do it and I did it, then I should be guilty. But if I didn't know I should do it, well, here, I'm going to tell you why. Verse 13, he says, For not the hearers of the law standard, right? Not the hearers of the standard are just before God. Just because you heard it doesn't make you just. Just because you're a Jew doesn't make you holy. Just because you're a Christian, shocker, doesn't make you holy. So just because you've heard the standard doesn't make you just before God, but the doers, the people who actually do the standard, they're justified. The ones who actually live it out. Just because you hear it doesn't make you godly. But if you decide to do it, that's what justifies you. The problem is nobody does it. <laughs> okay, so it's starting to make a little bit more sense of what he's saying. You start breaking it down. He goes on to say, For when the Gentiles, that would be us, even in chapter 1 here we were talking to, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, the Gentiles don't have the standard, they didn't have the Old Testament law that God gave them, so they didn't know any better. So, For when the Gentiles, which don't have that standard, do by nature the things contained in the standard. So, you didn't have to be told to not kill your brother. 
I just knew I probably ought not do that. Right? Now, you didn't have to be told you shouldn't look at another guy's wife. He's bigger than I am. I probably ought not do that. Right? But whatever, right? So what he's saying is for when the Gentiles, when the ungodly Gentiles, when we, which don't have the standard, do what's already in the standard, well, guess what? You just condemned yourself. What does that mean? You're already doing what I told them to do and you didn't have to be told. Why? Well, here's what it says. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do the things that are contained in the law, these, having not the law, talking about the Gentiles, talking about us, they're a standard unto themselves. Right? So, what about the guy on the mountain who's never heard the Gospel? Is he going to be judged by the Gospel? No, he's going to be judged by the standard that God put in his heart. And he couldn't keep that standard even. That's what he's saying. You're guilty, not because of the law that I gave the Jews, but because the law I gave in your heart that you still couldn't keep. You knew that you shouldn't do that, and you still did it. Okay, well, what is that called? Well, here, I'm glad you asked, because Paul's going to go ahead and tell you, because, you know, I want to make sure we get this completely figured out. Verse 15, For which show the work of the law, the standard, they show that that standard is written in their heart. What's that called? That's called a conscience. God born, God did born everybody with a conscience, right? <laughs> hey, that's how it is, right? You didn't have to have this law to know that it wasn't right. Are you going to be judged by that law? No, you're going to be judged by the law that He gave you. So, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the mean, meaning the standard, right? The mean. Like if you're grading, sometimes you have to lower the highest person's grade down to the... Or like the highest person's grade is going to be like 100% now so we can help out the person who's a little lower. Right? That's the mean, right? So um, <laughs> HBI students are like, I like those kinds of tests, right? Uh, so he says... Uh, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excluding one another. Excusing one another. He's basically saying, hey, you didn't have to have the law of Moses to be guilty because I gave you a law in your heart. You had a standard to start with and you couldn't keep it. That's what he's saying. Well, I'm trying. Well, okay. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do. You had a standard and you're not keeping it. I gave you a law. So whether you had the law or didn't have the law, you had the law. Huh? You had the standard. It's called your conscience. Verse 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. He's like, hey, God will judge you. Whether you're a chapter 1 blue-collar sinner, whether you're a chapter 2 white-collar sinner, or you're somewhere in between, right? I'm the holiest sinner there ever was. Well, guess what? God says, okay, it doesn't matter whether you've got God's law, your law, Chris's law. You know, it doesn't matter. You have a law and you're going to be judged by that law. And guess what? You're going to be guilty. He spent all this time saying, I know you're good, but you're not good enough. And so it doesn't matter whether you've got this law, that law, or the other law. I put my law in your conscience. My standard is in your conscience. Well, I didn't know that, you know, I couldn't do, you know, the 8th, ninth, and 10th of the Ten Commandments. Okay, well, uh, you knew the first seven or whatever, right? 
and you didn't keep those. That's the whole point. I gave you something and you couldn't keep it. That's why everybody in the world is guilty. So that's the second group of the three groups of uh, condemning the world. And so let's pray. We'll get out of here. Sorry I went a little bit over. I'll circle back around and hit that a little bit more next week, but let's pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I pray that you just uh, send us out this week as lights in a dark world, that you get the honor and the glory from our lives, Lord. I pray that uh, you just allow us to be uh, an awesome testimony of you today, uh, that you would just uh, just use us. Uh, in Christ's name, amen. Okay, I didn't give you any uh, task, because uh, I, I didn't have them written down. Um, this week, because I plan on finishing the chapter next week, uh, write out chapter 2 by hand. If you would like, write out chapter 2 by hand. Uh, read chapter 2 five times, so once a day. Give yourself a couple off days. Read the book once. You're like, that's a lot of reading. It's really not. It's like a couple chapters a day. So, um, so read the book once. And since you're going through chapter 2, writing it out, Pick yourself a key word and a key verse, right? And we'll talk about that next week.